Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Conversations of the Way. I hope you've enjoyed the last few episodes. We've covered a lot. We've covered about the Moabites, um, Ruth. We went through a story about the Canaanites, and there's a reason why I talked about uh, the Canaanites before we jump into Rahab, and probably because you guessed it, Rahab was a Canaanite. And we're going to dig into her story. It's a very interesting story. It's a very cool story. I like it. And it shows a lot of um, similarities to Ruth as well. But it's some good stuff. So let's get into it. But before we get let into her story in depth, let's just touch up a little bit. Let's go back a tad into the story. And let's start around like Exodus chapter 15 and 16 where Moses and Israelites were liberated from Egypt. As you may know, uh, the Hebrews spent 40 years in the desert walking around in disobedience. They could have gone straight into the promised land, but they were still carrying a lot of the traditions and transgressions from Egypt. And God could not just let them walk into the land with a mindset of slavery. It was so bad that God said that their generation was not going to walk into the promised land. That generation went through so much and not even Moses, with all he did in sacrifice, got to taste the land of milk and honey. Now let us fast forward to the book of Joshua. Moses is dead. God picks Joshua as the new leader of the Israelite, and his mission, and his mission which he accepted, was to take the Hebrews into the land that he had promised to Joshua's ancestors. This is where we will start with the story of Rahab. Joshua was a, a great man and mighty warrior. And being the military leader he was, he understood that before he went into battle, he needed to get an understanding of the area of operations to include the layout of the land and the enemy situation. In Joshua chapter 2, he sends out spies, which is the equivalent of a reconnaissance team, or in this case, a, a scout team, since it was only two of them. The spies were able, through probably covering concealment, get into the Canaanite, line, uh, Canaanite land. But it appears that they were compromised at some point because the king of Jericho was warned that there were spies hiding in the home of a prostitute called Rahab. Rahab hides the spies and even goes a step further and lies to her own people and the king that the spies had gone uh, out of her house, but they had skipped into another direction and that they should go that way to pursue them. At this point, the reader would ask, why would this prostitute hide the people who are not her people? Why would she risk her life and possibly the life of her family for a people she doesn't even know? Well, in the same chapter, she goes on to explain. You see, the story of Moses, Egypt, the Israelites, and the 40 years in the desert had spread throughout the region. Rahab heard of the God of the Hebrews and by faith, by faith, had recognized that this God, as she goes on to say in verse 11, the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. End quote. You see, the Canaanites worshipped many gods, and each god was a god of something. Their main god was Baal, and this god was known as the god of fertility and weather. But she recognized that not even this god was god of it all, but the Hebrew god was the Elohim of it all. She knew that unlike these other gods, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob does keep his promises, and she was smart enough to know that if he promised this land to their ancestors, that meant that it was going 
to happen. Since she knew this, she made a covenant with the spies. The deal was that she would say nothing of the covert operation if they agreed to keep her and her family safe when the Hebrews come and attack her people. All parties agree, and the spies tell Rahab that she should keep all her family in the same home during the attack, and they will know not to kill them by placing a scarlet rope on the same window where she was going to help them escape. Verse 18. Now, that sounds very similar to the blood placed on the door of the Israelites when the angel passed over the home of the Hebrews to not kill them when they were in Egypt. Now, I wonder if there's any correlation to that. Maybe, but that will be for another conversation. We then speed ahead to chapter 6, as the Hebrews go and attack Jericho. I suggest you go and read the story because it is one of those well-known famous stories of our faith. The Hebrews, of course, go and take the land because their God, our God, keeps his promises. And for Rahab, the promise was kept as well. Not only was her life and the life of her family spared, but as verse chapter 25 of chapter, of chapter 5 states, she lives among the Israelites to this day. End quote. So, as great as this story has been so far, it just keeps getting better. We have heard of the biblical quote, you reap what you sow. And Rahab goes on to reap more than she ever thought she would. Why do I think that? Well, she was just a Canaanite and she was just a prostitute. What good can come out of that, right? If you listen to the Ruth episode of the podcast, you're starting to hear similarities in the story. Rahab, just like Ruth, were undesirables. Ruth ends up being in a part of the lineage of Jesus on the father's side. And when you know it, the same goes for Rahab. Rahab eventually ends up having a son. Take a guess at his name. What do you think his name is? Boaz. The same Boaz that ends up marrying Ruth. So, no wonder... Boaz ends up having so much love and compassion from Ruth. Ruth's faithfulness and love for the Hebrews reminded him of the faith and love his mom had for them as well. Let's read chapter let's read Matthew chapter 1 verses 1 through 6. This is the, gene, the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah the father of Perez and Sarah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminabab, Aminabab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. As you keep reading the genealogy, it ends with the birth of of our Messiah. I mean, that's just amazing. What is interesting is that as you are reading the genealogy, the author makes a point to mention only a few women, five altogether. The other three being Mary, the mother of Jesus, Tamar, and one who is not mentioned by name. But we'll talk about that in, in the next episodes. Final thoughts. I gathered a couple of things from this incredible story. The first one would be that it's never too late to change our circumstances. We might feel like undesirable, just like these two women, 
but that doesn't mean we need to feel or stay that way. The world makes us feel unworthy, but when we decide to start following his ways, that unworthiness starts falling away. We are worth everything to him. Matthew chapter 10 verse 30 states that he even knows the number of every hair in our head. The second will be that we don't know where our faithfulness to him will take us. Do you think that even in their wildest dream, these two women would have ever thought that they would be part of the genealogy of the Messiah? Not in a million years. But here we are, and these two Gentile women were grafted into his people and part of the greatest gift God has given the world. A gift for all of us to partake in. No matter where you're from, no matter who you are, no matter what you have done, it is for you to have, for you to partake in. Well, guys, I hope this conversation has blessed you and has gotten you close to him. Until next time. Thank you.